Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey again, Colin. What's happening? Well, we got uh, football and basketball to talk about this week. Do we? Yeah, Missouri is heading out to Utah, although the big question mark is whether big, tall Michael Porter Jr. will be traveling with the team. Powerful, big, and tall, like a tree in the forest. Tall drink of water. Yes, sir. I'll have me a glass. Yep. But uh, Word yeah. on the street, he ain't going to be there. That's what we're hearing. But uh, the team is not specified yet. They just keep saying day-to-day, day-to-day, mm-hmm. day-to-day. Yep. Sure. And they keep hoping that uh, no one will ask any more questions. Yep. And then in a week, they'll be like, uh, Michael Porter will be out for the next four to six weeks because mm-hmm. he's having a hip flexor repair mm-hmm. surgery orthoscopic. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Yeah. He may never play again, but don't worry. (laughs) No, no worries. The terminal will come. Anyway, yeah. So uh, we've got Tiger fans biting their nails about that. But we're here to talk about football. Yeah. And Missouri plays Vanderbilt on the road. And this will determine whether the one in five, once one in five Tigers will be going to a bowl game this Mm -hmm. year. Shocking. Shocking. Rumor is that uh, Liberty Bowl's already looking at him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, what we're hearing. They're talking. Yep. So uh, that will that means we're going to play a Big 12 opponent, which is always uh, a yeah. bit of fun. That will be fun. It'll be in Memphis, and that's not a far drive for Tiger fans. Nope. No, but we're not. getting ahead of ourselves a little bit because Are we? they've got two games left on the schedules. There's no guarantee that this team can ever win. But they all they have done in the last four or five games is win, mm-hmm. and uh, that's how they do. Mm-hmm. And I interviewed Joe Rexroad from the Tennessean in Nashville to see what he thought about to whether Missouri could finish it off with Vanderbilt Commodores or if they'd have to wait until next week against Arkansas to make themselves bowl eligible. And it'll be interesting to hear what he has to say about uh, what Vanderbilt's going to bring Saturday. They're going to bring a bad football team. Mm-hmm. That's my guess. But will Missouri bring their bad football team? I know. Or will they bring their newly found good football team? Because I like that one better. I do. I'm, I'm a big, bigger fan of the second. I'm no football coach, but I would have started with the good football team and not even played the bad yeah, football team. Yeah, I would have started with it and ended mm-hmm. with it. You know, yeah. It seems like the way to go. But uh, Barry Odom, he knows more about it than us, and sure. he decides to go with, let's go with about six weeks of bad football. Bad football. And then to really fool them, then we'll start playing good football. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a shame, too, because teams like, I mean, look at the look at the schedule. I mean, you got Kentucky, mm-hmm. you got South Carolina, yeah. you got Purdue. I mean, yeah. these are games that this team, the current team, probably would have won if we hadn't left them till the second half. Right, we and played the bad played them team. from the beginning. Yeah. Well, say Missouri does win out and we go seven and five. Hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Yeah. Now. Then, I mean, then we, add we didn't Purdue hear to... us saying this <laughs> in those first weeks. No, you, no. You know, we, I was calling for us to win one game in the entire year when yeah. I saw the bad football team. Yeah, exactly. So we didn't even know this team was an option. No, I would have chosen it. Well, you think you would have, but again, mm-hmm. Brennan, hindsight, yeah, you know, uh-huh. it's easy to say you would have done things different, mm-hmm. like fielding a good football team over a bad so football team. So you're saying if in August mm-hmm. you would have presented me with the option, do you want the Drew Lock that throws four interceptions and then goes for 150 yards passing or the one that throws five touchdowns and one interception and like 350 yards passing? You're saying I could have maybe – you don't know who I'd have picked. Well, I mean, obviously, obviously, you probably would have picked the good Drew Lock mm-hmm. and the good I think football so. team. But we, we will never know. That's right. We will never know. You can't debate the past. No, you can't. Let's not pretend you would have picked it for sure. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing that we're here. And, uh, you know, it, what I was going to get at earlier was that say we went out and we go seven and five. Then you look back at that Purdue game that puts mm-hmm. us at eight and four. Then you look back 
at that South. Kentucky game, yeah. nine and two, South and three. I mean, yeah, South Carolina, ten and two. You, you know, none of these games are guarantees, but this football team we're watching now, the one that just started playing five weeks ago, mm-hmm. God, they look. They could have been a ten and two team. Yep, in yep. a very weak schedule. Sure. Sure. I mean, we probably still wouldn't have won the East because Georgia's a juggernaut, but mm-hmm. Georgia Jojid this weekend. I mean, really Jojid hard because not only did they lose, but their, their best win on their schedule, the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame also lost. So they have plummeted from the college playoff picture to not being in it at all. And they still have to have a matchup with Alabama, which would be loss number two. So. Last week, they they basically fritter away, hot dog water, shit down their leg. Hot dog water. Their chance at a playoff bit. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm thinking if Missouri, say Missouri was 10 and 2 say, sure. against this week's schedule, because mm-hmm. we had no idea how bad Florida and Tennessee were going to no, be. Who could have known? But if say we'd have gone to 10 and 2, I think Georgia could have lost again because Georgia loves to Georgia. Mm-hmm. And instead of, you know, maybe going 11 and 1 in the regular season, they would have lost a, they would have gone 9 and 3 just so they wouldn't have gotten into the SEC conference title game. Yeah. Yeah. And then they would have been tweeting us that we don't deserve to be there. Right. Well, and you know, <clears throat> looking at what we've done this year, we don't, but oh, what could have been? Oh, what could have been? But we got a game ahead of us. Mm-hmm. It looks again, I'm a little trepidatious because it looks very winnable, but uh, when, when your team starts one and five, you don't take anything for granted. Well, the one thing I'll say about this Vanderbilt team as the ones in the past, Vanderbilt has kind of hung their hat on defense. Right. In SEC play, this team has given up 40 points a game. Yes, it is. So that is a bad sign for a Vanderbilt team that has to play a very high-scoring offense. My only concern is that our defense, we still have the same secondary we started the game sure. this season. And they right. have a serviceable quarterback. Yeah, Kyle Shermer is a good quarterback. One of the better ones in the East, mm-hmm. for sure. And uh, so whatever happens, I predict Vanderbilt will put points on the board. Sure. But uh, I don't know if they can keep up. Yeah, I, I can't imagine a scenario where they do. I mean, the team from the first half of the season will have to show up right. for them to really put points on the board or to be able to score at any sort of clip with, with Mizzou. I feel like Mizzou has just found their offensive identity, and it is all, uh, considering the competition we're playing, it's just going to be a fucking turkey shoot from this point. Yeah, forward. and uh, not to get too ahead of ourselves, but uh, Arkansas fired their athletic director today, which mm-hmm. has to be a bad sign for our good friend Bert. Oh, Bert's gone. And you know, we kept saying like, oh, that's that buyout $17.5 million. There's no way. But you know what? There's people in this world, as strange as it may sound, well, that have $17.5 million is, you know, is pocket change to them. And at least one of those people probably attended school at Arkansas at some point. Yeah. So well, you can kiss Bert goodbye. And apparently that number is not accurate either. The, there's been a lot of um, articles come out that said that the, that is not what the uh, contract says. It was, it was all hocus pocus. Okay, so so let's say it's only $10 million you know, or $8 million. Either way, somebody who's attended that university has enough money to make Burt go away. You look at what the Tigers have done and you say say it's a weak schedule. Mm-hmm. And you, how weak is it? Three out of the last four teams they'll play this year have fired their coaches in the right around the time that yeah. uh, accounting Burt, who is going to get fired. Mm-hmm. And the fourth team? Is Vanderbilt. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a weak schedule. As, as low as we were on Barry Odom, I mean, you look at it and you go, well, at least we have a coach. And to this point right now, we feel like a coach we want to keep at least mm-hmm. for another year. Everybody's vying for the Chip Kellys and the, this Frost guy. <laughs> and don't forget Gruden. Nebraska wants Frost. Florida wants Frost. Gruden, well, and the Gruden talk. The Gruden talk. Like mm. just Chuck Knoll, Vince Lombardi, they're as available as Gruden is. Yeah. I mean, it is asinine. I just, we talked about it a lot. It's like, why? Why would Gruden want to go to Tennessee? Mm-hmm. Why? Not, especially when Florida will have an opening. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and if a Tennessee fan's listening right now, he's cursing the heavens when I say Florida is a better program than Tennessee. If for no other reason than you're in Florida where the most fertile 
recruiting grounds ever. Like that's like Nebraska hasn't been relevant in 30 years. Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, we're in Nebraska. We should be winning 11 games and going to the playoffs and blah. No, you shouldn't. I mean, you, sh- you did that stuff at one time, but you shouldn't anymore. Mm-hmm. And nor I don't, I don't know that you will. I mean, because everybody's got facilities now. Everybody can afford to hire the best coaches and everybody's not in fucking Nebraska. Can, well, can you imagine how pick, slim the pickings are there? I, I mean, was just going to say Missouri that. people are going to Nebraska. They're having to come to Missouri to get players. The fertile recruiting grounds of empty cornland. I read an article that said Florida, Texas, Georgia. Those are the th- big three. Oh, in California. Uh, but you know, it's hard to even count California since they're on the, the far west coast. So all those players are going to head this direction. But those are the huge recruit. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Recruiting grounds in the United States. That's where the, the majority of those five-star recruits come from. None of those places are near Nebraska. And, uh, you know, that's a battle that Mizzou has to climb. The upside for Mizzou is they have two major metropolitan areas on each side of the state. And because of being in the SEC, they can sort of work that footprint. But Nebraska does not have that feather in their cap. And they're calling for this Frost guy or Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly's not taking the job. Frost might because he's a former quarterback for Nebraska. But if Florida wants him too, where would you rather go, Nebraska or Florida? Mm-hmm. I mean, just for the fucking weather, you yeah. know, alone. Well, I think people have talked about uh, Dan Mullen at Mississippi State as well, and the talk. Well, that's of, the big talk for Tennessee. That's yeah, the, that's the probably the realistic talk. Well, for and the, I, I feel like the consensus in the media has been that Dan Mullen doesn't want to go anywhere because he's got <laughs> he's got Mississippi State rolling. Oh, and yeah. And if you, if you win eight games at Mississippi State, they'll put a statue up with you. And if you do that same thing at Tennessee, they'll fire you in two years. But if you ask me, every time there's a coaching search, one team pays one dollar more than the other team. Mm-hmm. Coaches go to that well, let's, team. Let's talk about this from this side. Do you want to go try to win the East or do you want to stay in the West and try to win it? Mm, that's at, another at good Mississippi point. State. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you're going to have to fucking lock horns with LSU, Auburn, and Alabama every fucking year. Or you can go to the East, Missouri, Midling, Vanderbilt, Dumpster Fire, Kentucky, Dumpster Fire, South Carolina, Midling. You know what I mean? It's Georgia good. You know what I mean? It's like it's a much easier road to hoe to the SEC East championship than it is for the West. And not only that, Nick Saban is not going to coach forever. You know, get the get the thing up and rolling in an East program and wait for Nick Saban to die, you know, because mm-hmm. I think he's probably going to coach till he does. And as we've discussed before, he'll probably live forever like Lord Voldemort or mm-hmm. what have you. Right, yeah. Because using the, some sort of Holcroft system. But regardless, I think, I, I think it's a much easier system. spinal fluid of babies, but <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. whatever it is that he does. All right, Colin, we're getting far afield. So why don't we uh, kick it over to uh, my interview with Joe Rexroad from the uh, Nashville, Tennessee, and to mm-hmm. talk about this game specifically. And then, of course, as we do every week, we're going to talk to Caleb the Greek 
and get his picks of the week so we can make some of our fans a little money. Oh, yeah. All right. This is the Mazzotcast. M-I-Z. C-O-U. Gonna throw it. Slam. This bugs for you, Mizzou. Johnson. And he's gone. Touchdown, Missouri. You don't get no better than that, man. Lock deep near side. Jamon Moore. It's a foot race. 82 yards. Touchdown, Missouri. Boy, look at Crockett run. It's his fourth touchdown run of the day. This is the Mazad Cat. With us now is Joe Rexrode from the Tennessean in Nashville. He's a sports columnist who covers Vanderbilt football. Thanks for joining the show, Joe. Thanks for having me. I was going to ask you right out of the gate. Missouri has got a big game ahead of it against Vanderbilt on the road, and this will basically determine whether we become bowl eligible or not. It's a huge turnaround for, for Barry Odom, who started the season 1-5. and five. I know that the Vanderbilt Commodores have had their struggles as well this year, but tell us a little bit about uh, what this game would mean for them going up against Missouri. Yeah, well, this was everything, really, for, for Vanderbilt. A year ago, they were 4-6, and six, similar situation. Uh, they had Ole Miss coming in to uh, Vanderbilt State, and then they had Tennessee. They really weren't expected to win either game. They won both. They got to a bowl game, which marked a big turnaround, actually. After the loss at Missouri, really, people kind of buried this team, and, and they came back from it. And that was a, a huge bump for Derek Mason and his Of course, this team started 3-0, now sitting here at 4-6, and six, uh, really reeling especially on the defensive side of the ball. But to win this game, you've got a chance to get to a bowl game. I mean, going to Knoxville next week, who knows what that game will be. It's possible Vanderbilt could get in at 5-7 and seven with the APR, but it's not likely. So really, this is the whole season for the Commodores. Yeah, so both programs really have the same bowl aspirations on the line. Missouri has struggled this season on defense. They seem to have pulled it together a little bit, especially on their line, but they've been weak in the secondary. Uh, tell us a little bit about the Vanderbilt offense and what their attack plan will be for this Missouri defense, who has been susceptible to uh, big plays. Yeah, I mean, that is the strength of Vanderbilt. I mean, that's the one thing that has been good all year. Kyle Shermer, junior quarterback, has been outstanding. Now, last week in Kentucky, he had three picks in the first half. He had four because he threw one kind of at the end of the game there. But, you know, three picks in the first half, he had had three all year. Now, two of them, one was out of the line, one went out of the receiver's hands, but one of them he forced. Uh, you know, he still moved the ball through the air. He had some good receivers, Trent Sherfield, Elijah Lipscomb, uh, C.J. Duncan. I mean, he has good targets. Uh, he has a good running back, of course, too, and Ralph Webb, one of the top all-time rushers in SEC history. But this team, not great at run blocking. It has been good for the most part in pass protection. You know, not against Alabama and Georgia, but uh, for the most part, it's, it's given Schumer time to throw, and he's been very good. So that is the one thing you can count on is that Vanderbilt is probably going to be able to wing it around a little bit. Well, that makes two of us. It could be an air raid on both sides of the ball. Uh, obviously, Drew Locke is having a great season. Uh, people are talking about now his chances of leaving for the NFL after the uh, few games he's put together at the end of this season so far. Uh, that is the strength of Missouri going deep, although the running games look good the last couple of weeks against uh, a weak Tennessee and a weak Florida. Uh, tell us about Vanderbilt's defense and how they plan to uh, slow down Drew Locke and company. Yeah, well, I, I think we're going to see Missouri look good against a weak Vanderbilt, too. Uh, you know, it's a it's stunning to me. Um, you think about Vanderbilt, you know, last couple of years, uh, they, they struggled to find offense, but you kind of count on Derek Mason's defense to keep the score down and keep his team in games. And then, you know, then they pulled out a few of those. They got a huge win at Georgia last year. They were in a lot of close, low scoring 
games. And, and early this year, that defense looked just fantastic. I mean, look, going to Middle Tennessee State and winning 28-6, you can poo-poo that. Some people did, but that is a very good offensive football team. You know, 14-7 over Kansas State. Kansas State was number 18 at the time. That team is not as good as number 18 in the country. You know, it's a middle of the pack Big 12 team, but that still was a very impressive performance by the Vanderbilt defense. And, you know, when, when, when Alabama came in and stopped them for enough, and I wondered if it would sort of rob their spirit of them. And it, it really seems to have done that because this defense has been, for the most part, really bad since then. They've blown assignments, mistackled all over the place. Certainly not strong enough at the point of attack, and that was the question all along. But I thought the pack seven would be much better than it has been. And uh, right now, there's just been a lot of confidence on that side of the ball. So uh, you mentioned this is kind of a crossroad games for Vanderbilt, and I mentioned Missouri's at the same situation. Uh, what's the attitude about Derek Mason? I guess give us two different directions. Should Vanderbilt lose this game? What are the feelings about his uh, tenure as a Vanderbilt head coach and, and fan um, feelings about him? And should they win and do, like you said, last year and have a couple big wins to close out the season? You know, what does that do for him? Yeah, well, it's funny because, I mean, I, I just alluded to the – Alabama situation. At, at, at that point, you know, Vanderbilt's three and zero, and there are seriously serious talk about you know are other teams going to start looking at Derek Mason? I mean, uh, and that's that's the problem with Vanderbilt. You have this tiny little window of can you be successful and then not have other teams with resources come poach you? You know, but right. I mean, I I think you know from the fan perspective right now, it's it sounds a lot like it did last year before that run, and a lot of people unhappy and. And, uh, less and less people convinced that he, uh, you know, can, can be the guy. It's just, it's tough at Vanderbilt to judge these things because James Franklin obviously did things that hadn't been done in decades and decades at Vanderbilt. And so that sort of moved the goalpost a little bit. But to me, when you look at the investment uh, that is, that is given to football, when you look at all the disadvantages compared with the other SEC schools, I still say if you can scrape your way to six and six at Vanderbilt, you've had a pretty darn good year. So, you know, I, I do think this is an important game, an important finish for Derek Mason. If it, if it goes the way it's been going and they get bombed twice and their defense looks terrible, it's going to be an uncomfortable offseason. And, and, uh, you know, every year in the SEC, we have who's on the hot seat. It's always several guys. And they'll be high on that list. Right. What are your expectations for this weekend? It sounds like we've got two uh, offenses who know how to throw the ball around. Uh, some questionable defense. Are you expecting a high-scoring game? Well, I expect Missouri to score a lot of points. And, you know, I think Vanderbilt is going to have to play a really sharp game offensively to keep up. You know, and to me, Vanderbilt's got to have long drives, got to be balanced, got to get Ralph Webb going and, and have both things. I, I would expect Vanderbilt to be able to, you know, move the ball towards the points, but can they score enough? I just, I really don't like the matchup. You mentioned Drew Locke, and he's great, but I'm impressed with the way Missouri is running the ball, too. I just think they're balanced, and they're explosive in both aspects right now. So, you know, to me, if Vanderbilt's going to win, they're going to win a 40-37, to 37-34 kind of game. Um, and it's just a small margin for everyone. So, frankly, I, I think Missouri wins this game by double figures. Yeah, I think the spread has moved up to nine and a half. So that's, uh, that's kind of, I guess, what, what Vegas is predicting as well. Missouri fans have learned to be trepidatious because we, uh, we can let ourselves down and we can win unexpected games. Never quite know what to expect when we play Vanderbilt. We've had some good years and we've had some bad years. Uh, but we always seem to play at the same level when we go up against Vanderbilt, uh, regardless of where the two teams seem to sit in the conference at any one time. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, of course, last year, really, I kind of thought, I remember a year ago, I kind of thought they would go in there and win that game, but, you know, looked around on that, but that was kind of a big kind of breakthrough game, I thought, from Missouri, so it just seems to me like Missouri really has momentum right now, and it's going the exact other way, but it's college football, and again, Ole Miss, I, I think a lot of people thought, I, I did the same, thought they were going to come into Vanderbilt and, and, and roll, and it went the other way, and then this is senior day for some very good seniors at Vanderbilt, Ralph Webb, and all-time great, so sometimes that senior day emotion at night can, uh, can help you. All right, Joe Rexford from the Tennessean, thank you for joining us and uh, expecting a, a double-digit win for uh, the Tigers. That would be uh, music to our ears. Uh, like I said, we're we're sitting here with our uh, white knuckle in it against Vanderbilt going into the last couple se- games of the season, but uh, wish the Commodores the best. It sounds like it should be a good game. You know, one of the few actual SEC matchups this weekend in what they're calling Cupcake Week. <laughs> exactly. We have two teams are playing each other in the league, so there you go. All right. Well, have a safe flight, and thanks for joining us, Joe. I've been chasing the big wheels all over Nashville, waiting for my big break to come. Living on ketchup soup, homemade crackers and Kool-Aid. I'll be a star tomorrow, but today I'm a Nashville bum. I look good in cowboy clothes and I sing through my nose. Webb said that's the way to get her done. I smoke good old PA like the Opry stars. They say I'll be a star tomorrow, but today I'm a Nashville bum. Hey, Caleb, welcome back. Hey, how are you today? I'm doing all right. You got some catching up to do this week after the uh, coin went three and zero on last week's show. I know. I've got I've got some work to do. We're going to keep it in the SEC this week and see if we can make some people some money. Okay, it is time once again for Caleb of the Greeks pick of the week. Caleb of the Greeks pick of the week. Caleb, what have you got? Okay, in the first game we have UAB eleven point underdogs to Florida. We've seen Florida play Mizzou. They're not a very good team. Dog shit football. Uh, UAB is seven and three, pretty good team. Not terrible. I think they'll take care of that. I, I think UAB will have no trouble getting in that eleven point zone. They may even win that game. Upset special. special, special, special. All right, you're going to take them. Well, as we did last week, we're going to put you up against the 1997 quarter. Coins turn. And uh, this week, the quarter is going to choose the winner of the Arizona State-Oregon State game. Arizona State is favored by 6.5 points. Oregon State is the home game. And as we did last week, heads will equal home and tails will equal away. The coin picks Oregon State plus the 6.5 points. In my second game, I've got Mizzou at Vandy. Mizzou is a seven and a half point favorite on the opening line. I'm going to take Mizzou in this game. I think they handle Vandy easy. Vandy sucks. All right, we got the home team this time. Tiger fans, feel free to bet on your home team Tigers. The coin is going to choose the winner of the Purdue versus Iowa game. Iowa is favored by nine points. They are at home. The coin believes. The Iowa will win, minus the nine points, take Iowa. In the final game I have, we have LSU visiting Tennessee. Mm-hmm. All SEC, huh? All SEC. And as we've seen, Tennessee is fucking horrible. Just the worst. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, not a good team. Fired their coach. LSU, they have to have better athletes in Missouri, I would just guess. So they should be able to uh, cover that 14 points. Lay those points. Take care of Tennessee on that one. LSU to win. All right, let's see how you do in the final game against the coin. It's the Syracuse versus Louisville game. Louisville's favored by 11.5 points. They're the home team. The coin believes... Oh, they think Syracuse will beat the spread. Take Syracuse and the 11.5 points over Louisville, according to the coin. Coin lock. It's going to be an interesting week with me and the coin. Mm -hmm. Both three games head-to-head. We'll see if you can catch up. Come on, Caleb. At that 3-0 advantage over you. Beats me again. I'm going to kick its ass. (laughs) Pocket change. Trash talk. All right. This has been, once again, Caleb the Greek. Pick of the week. Caleb Caleb the Greek's pick of the week. All right, Colin, did you get those picks locked down? Oh, yeah. I wrote them all down, heading to the bookie. All right, as, you, as everyone listening should. And uh, what did you think about what Joe had to say about his uh, Vanderbilt Commodores? Well, I like his prediction that we'll win by uh, double digits. Yes, I did. Hey, I have a question for you, Colin. Sure. Did you know that Commodore Vanderbilt was not ever a real Commodore? I didn't know that. Yeah, I know. Cornelius Vanderbilt, not a Commodore. Oh. You liar. Yeah. yeah. And did so you he know that like he, Colonel Sanders. Cur- yeah, kind of like that. Did you know that he'd also never stepped foot in the state of Tennessee? No, I didn't know that either. That is a fact. Huh. Vanderbilt's stupid. <laughs> I don't know about that. Let me ask you another question, Colin, a little bit more related to this game. What do you think about all this Drew Locke to the NFL talk? Well, I think it's very Blaine Gabbert-esque. Drew obviously has an NFL arm. He is going to play in the NFL at some point, and it's hard to tell a kid if he gets a first-round grade pre-draft to stick around, but to me, he reminds me of Blaine Gabbert because I thought Blaine Gabbert is not ready for the NFL. When he left, he had happy feet. What are you talking about? He's like 9-31 and 31 in the NFL as a yeah. starter. But, I mean, he was just, he was not well-groomed. He was, you know, he always looked just shaky, mm-hmm. skittish. You know, he had tremendous talent, which kind of glossed over that. But tremendous talent is everywhere at the NFL level. So those things start to really come into play. And that's what I see for Drew Locke. Not so much even the way I saw it in Blaine Gabbert. But Drew does not look NFL ready to me. He looks like he has NFL talent. He's got an NFL arm. And he is going to end the season with some astonishing numbers. But I don't think it's a wise move for him to... I mean, I, I'm not I saying that because he's my quarterback. Or, yeah, I don't care whether it's wise or not. My question is, do you think it will happen? No. I, if I had, I'm, I'm now I say that 60 40, you know what I mean? It's not like I'm resounding. 60% says no, because one, Drew's dad is a former college football player. It's a good family. They're smart people. I feel like if, if we see this, and I'm sure the coaches at Mizzou see this, that Drew's dad probably sees this. And when it comes down to it, he's going to talk to his family. And they're going to say, you know what? Give it one more year. There's NFL's going to be there. And unlike other positions on the football field, you can get hurt as a quarterback and still get drafted. If he tears an ACL, what the fuck? It's not like he's a wide receiver or running back. You know, unless somebody destroys his shoulder, you know, which is a sort of a rare injury. And the most you see that is like somebody will get their clavicle broken once in a while. But it's a less of a risk, I feel like, for a quarterback just on from an injury basis. And, mm-hmm. and next year, he could have put up colossal numbers and not just go to the NFL, but be a high draft pick and possibly a Heisman candidate if Mizzou can put together a good season. So I feel like he'd be giving away something if he goes to the NFL. Now, if he, does, if he doesn't go to the NFL, he'll be giving away millions of dollars. But theoretically, he'll, those million dollars will still be waiting for him when he's done playing college football. So I'll say 60% no, 40% yes, because like I said, you get that first-round grade, it's easy to go, oh, first-round grade, smell you later. But God, you're going to get stuck in the fucking Cleveland or something? Boo! I'd rather not play football. Well, Johnny Manziel... For any that. price. Johnny Manziel made that same exact decision. Mm-hmm. And we know he's a great decision maker. <laughs> Absolutely. He's known for it. Other Mizzou news before we sign off, Colin, we uh, we seem to be heating up again in the recruiting front after our big winning streak going on. We got a JUCO transfer, a defensive end named Antar Thompson, who I guess 
four years ago, originally committed to the Tigers, then decommitted to, I guess, take care of his son, I heard, and then uh, recommitted to Louisville and now has decommitted and gone back to Missouri. I think he's like 23 years old and a giant man beast. Yeah, and Louisville has been pretty competitive in the last few seasons, but they have kind of fallen on hard times. And there's a lot of talk that will somebody hire away Petrino? So if you're a commitment to Louisville right now, the, the program being down a little bit and not knowing if the guy that recruited you is going to be there, I think we've seen that with Mizzou. I think part of the reason some of we saw some of these decommits from Missouri early on the season is everybody's just like, well, the guy who come into, came into my living room and told me to come play football at Missouri is not going to be there when I show up. They're wrong now because he is going to be there, but I, I think it's great. You know, I couldn't be happier. We need uh, recruits. Yeah, and we also got another one in Jarvis Ware, a defensive back from Florida who committed to the 2018 class as well. And uh, there's another kid who was previously committed to Tennessee after the Tennessee-Missouri mm-hmm. game, immediately decommitted, yep. and then tweeted out his official, official yeah. <laughs> offer from the University of Missouri. While we law, we have not signed a single member of the Mizzou 10, mm-hmm. the Show Me 10. It's going to be bad. Show Me 0 for 10. Yep. And we had three Alabama commits all decommit. Mm-hmm. Things are starting to, the tide is turning a little bit. And I think we jumped like 20 points in our recruiting class ranking mm-hmm. in these last two uh, two guys who signed on. Yeah, I, it's like I said, we we talked about the winning ways, the fact that Barry Odom is certainly going to be the coach next year. These things are going to help recruiting. Because as much as you bitch and moan about Barry Odom, and I wanted him gone as, as much as anybody after the fucking thumpings we were taking early in the season, it's bad for recruiting when you change coaches, regardless of what the name of your program is. Mm-hmm. Even Alabama will hurt if the coach leaves. Yeah. Even Florida will hurt if the coach leaves. Ohio State doesn't matter because these kids don't just commit to a program, they commit to a coach. Yeah, they always say don't commit to the coach, but they all commit to the coach. Yeah, because he's the guy selling it. Yeah, he's the guy in the living room. Yep. All right, Colin, we got a big one. We got the Thursday night game where we have the big question marks surrounding Michael Porter Jr. We've got the Saturday game with the big question marks surrounding bowl eligibility. I am ready for some Mizzou sports, and hopefully it's a successful weekend as it was last weekend. Yeah, Yahoo, Mazel Tov, and all that. And all that. All right. See you on Saturday. M-I-Z. Z-O-U. Come on, Caleb.